0: Hey, today on Jesus, Sex, and Politics, we have an amazing show with Convention of States Regional Director Cheryl Shopmeyer coming in to talk to us about how we can take back constitutional authority from big, overarching, bureaucratic government. We also have a great interview with State Treasurer Candidate Elise Nuschella, and we also are gonna jump back into uh, one of our great segments called What Did Biden Say? and try to unpack the things that our president is saying. Hold on tight. Here we go. Hey, welcome to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. I'm Micah. I'm Nathan. And here we talk about all the
1: things the culture doesn't want to talk about. And that might scare you.
0: Welcome back to Jesus, Sex, and Politics. It is good to have you listening today. Uh, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. We've got a, an amazing guest in the studio with us, and we are um, we're going to be talking about a pretty cool topic. And Nathan, you and I are very much opponents of overreaching federal government and the powers that they abuse often because they take the power that was never really technically given to them in the Constitution. But what can we do to get it back? What
1: can we do? I'm glad you asked that question. I <laughs> think that's an excellent question. And we have a great guest who's going to help us to understand what can could be done we'd like to welcome to the studio cheryl shopmeyer cheryl
0: welcome to jesus sex and politics thank you for being here today you are with the convention of states tell us a little bit about how you plan to take back the
1: country
2: okay first of all i want to say thank (laughs) you for allowing me to be here i appreciate that opportunity so much thank you for coming um the Convention of States is using Article Five of the Constitution to save the Constitution. Most people don't know that um, Congress is normally the ones that that amend the Constitution, but there's an opportunity for the states to do that as well. So the states can come together and propose amendments, but they have to go through a very rigorous process. They start out with passing legislation or passing a resolution in the State House. Saying that they want to call a convention and what they want to, uh, their target topics are. So our tar- target topics are um, term limits, which is a good one for. Oh yeah, it's a great. Lot of People, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, overreach of the federal government and overspending. Um, I think we have a real issue on all three of those fronts. And convention of states is using. Um, the power that we have granted to us to the states by the constitution to make changes.
0: And so you are the regional director Region, Region si- captain, of, okay, yeah, of uh, Convention of States, Region Seven. Convention of States yes. is a national organization. Yes, all right, and um, and it and it pulls from like you said, Article Five. I want to dive into Article Five real quick. If you have a pocket constitution, you can read along. But this is what Article Five. Now there's seven articles in the United States Constitution. The Constitution sets up how government is allowed to work and what it can do, but more importantly, what it cannot do is really what the Constitution uh, does, and that protects we, the people, who give the authority to... Our representatives to go in and, and make law on behalf and represent us as the people. And we remember the politicians are not above us. We the people are above them. They are subservient to the people. Article 5 says this the Congress, whenever two thirds of both houses shall deem it necessary, shall propose amendments to this Constitution or on the application of the legislatures of two thirds of the several of the several states, shall call a convention for proposing amendments, which in Either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three fourths of the several states or by conventions in three fourths thereof, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. Okay, so that may be a little bit of Latin, might sound a little bit like hard to understand, old English, if you will. It's not technically old english but it's very it's very uh it's very legalese if you will if you will so it's hard for some people to read the constitution and say what exactly do they mean right and i've got this uh handy dandy book that i got off of amazon it's called the constitution translated for kids written by kathy travis and it's actually really cool it's got the constitution on one side written as it is and then on the other side in the other paragraph it's got the uh it's got it translated for kids. So I want to read what this says from, from a fifth graders perspective. So that way sure. a lot of us can understand really what this means. So are artic- you talking about me? Uh, no, just, us. Truth, I'm saying man. us collectively as oh, Americans. Man. All right. <laughs> so he's over there with his, with his, uh, pocket, uh, convention of state, uh, pocket constitution trying to follow along here. Okay. So article five translated for fifth graders says this the constitution can be amended in two ways. First, a two-thirds vote of Congress is needed, which we've we've done that twenty-seven times. Right. We've had twenty-seven amendments. Uh, and and hey, Nathan, do you know what the last when the last amend, amendment to the Constitution was?
2: <laughs> In a minute.
0: See, you do love to make me look. So- no, I'm just asking a simple I question. Don't
2: recall
0: 1992, which you would think that it was like you know a constitutional amendment. That would be like back in the 1800s. You know what I mean? You yeah, still yeah, think yeah. of that, right? Yeah. In the 90s. It was in the 90s. and it Which had, one was it? Uh, it had to do with um, uh, the, the salaries of, uh, of, of the, the members of Congress. So <laughs> go figure, right? Oh, so.
1: it's amazing how they come together.
0: <laughs> yeah, they can amend the Constitution when it has to do with their paychecks. But that's neither here nor there. So, uh, but yes, there are tw- there are twenty seven uh, amendments to the Constitution. So
2: maybe we should look at that twenty seven <laughs> amendment again. I was going to say,
0: right? <laughs> uh, so, so it can be amended in two ways. Uh, first, a two thirds vote in Congress is needed approving the wording of the proposed amendment, followed by three fourths of the state legislatures approving the amendment. So that's kind of one way. Or the legislatures of two thirds of the states can call a big meeting called a constitutional convention, and that's what you're doing. So you've got to get two-thirds of the legislatures around the nation to have a resolution yes. sitting in their house There, that says, we want a constitutional convention. Yes. At this meeting, the states can propose amendments to the Constitution. Either way, the amendments will become officially part of the Constitution when three-fourths of the state legislatures then have to approve them. So in both cases, so whether Congress tries to do it or whether we do it in a constitutional convention or a, a convention of states right. um, that has to have three fourths of the states and have to ratify that change, right. and then um, and then that's that's how we could get it done. So th- it's a really cool process, uh, Cheryl. I love how our founding fathers were so brilliant in the writing. They really of, were. They were just brilliant men, and and I like to tell people that the Constitution. It's not like the word of God where it's set in stone it's uh it's you you can't change it it shall not be changed type thing the constitution you can change but it's not changeable to the extent that the progressive lefts want to they were they want to say oh we're in a completely different era we're enlightened now we you know the founding fathers couldn't envision what we are dealing with today so we should just be able to sweeping change have sweeping changes across the board they would want it to be a living document from the perspective of it's very easy to change i don't say this when i'm talking about the constitution i say it's not it's not living and it's not dead. It's in the middle. It's, a, it's in a, coma, a comatose state is what I like to say where it is totally locked in. We can wake it up quickly for a season when we need to change it and amend it. We can do that. It's a really hard and tedious process to do it. Yes. But then once we amend it, then it goes back into being in a coma and it cannot be changed and it has to be followed at that point. So that's how I like to describe it. So you're saying we're going to wake it up from a constitution, uh, convention or convention of states, article five convention, we are going to wake it up. We're going to add some really good pieces to it. Yes. And then, and then we're going to put it back to sleep again and people will have to follow that. So I want to, I want to ask a few leading questions to you, Cheryl, on this note, now that people kind of have a a foundation of kind of what the article five is and, and the convention of states is okay. So the, the big criticisms to this is that what happens if we go into a convention of states, a uh, constitutional convention, uh, if we go into this convention, and then the liberal leftists do really, they, they're very good at overtaking good things and warping them to fit their own agenda and communist kind of ideology. So what would stop them from actually saying, oh, okay, fine, there's this convention of states. We're going to get our people in there. We're going to sabotage it. And now instead of actually adding a good amendment, like the 28th Amendment, which would be maybe a term limits uh, amendment for members of Congress, we're going to actually make the 28th Amendment to, it's going to be like the 21st Amendment that overrode the 18th Amendment, which was prohibition. We're going to do that with the 2nd Amendment. So we're going to make the 28th Amendment, where it's going to override the 2nd Amendment, and now we won't have the right to bear arms as the people. What's stopping Liberals from getting in and taking the it's called a runaway convention theory. So right. what's stopping that from happening?
2: Well, first of all that that really can't happen. They can't put people in there um, with their own agenda because there the um, convention has to follow the uh, resolution that's passed in each state. So if we're talking term limits, overreach of the federal government, and overspending, you can't enter in and say, oh, by the way, we want to add, An amendment that repeals the Second Amendment—you can't do that.
0: Yeah, that's
2: just not part of the system.
0: Okay, so good. So there's protections in there that was put in place by our founders. They kind of saw that that it's going to. You said something interesting before we recorded that there's more guardrails. How 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 is that worded? Say that again. Is more? Well, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget. Okay, yeah.
2: There are far more political and legal constraints on a runaway convention than on a runaway Congress.
0: Okay. Who said that?
2: Uh, his name is Robert G. Nadelson. He is a constitutional expert, and he works with Convention Estates.
0: Okay. All right. Wonderful. So how
1: many states would it require in order to, to do this? We need
2: 34 states to pass in their state legislatures um, the, the resolution as it is written and the language in each state has to be the same. So it's not like they can, you know, pass something else in one state and do something else in another. It has to be the same. And that's why we need a grassroots organization to keep it consistent.
1: Okay. And so we would have then 34 to call it. Right. 38 to pass it.
2: Yes. 38 to ratify.
1: To ratify. And, yeah. and how many do we have right now signed up?
2: We have 19. And there are several states where the legislation is actually pending.
0: Is okay. Indiana one of those states?
2: Yes, we are a past state. Yes, we are. Okay, good. Well, way to go, Indiana! And
1: how many years do you do you think that? I mean, how how many years has this been being worked on? Well, and it was founded
2: many- in in twenty thirteen.
1: Okay, so so we're we're nine years out now trying to work on this, and. Is there any kind of concept of how many years we think it's going to take to, to remotely be able to get this done?
2: Well, I suppose it depends on if people wake up and see what's going on right now. If they are watching what's going on, I think it could be it could happen this year because <laughs> awesome. things are that bad. So, That's how
1: I feel. So, if we are fighting on this front, what are the three the three major areas? That term limits. Term, term limits.
2: Overreach of the federal government and overspending.
1: How do you define overreach of the federal government?
2: Well, I'm sure it will include some kind of language um, that prevents what has happened with the masking and the mandates and the vaccine mandates. It'll, It'll have some kind of language that way. The specific language for that, I don't know, has been proposed because we have to wait for the convention for that to happen. I see, um, but there are there are speculations about what should be proposed when we get to that level of the you know the convention actually being called.
0: If I could make a you know a suggestion on that piece right there, and you can take it back to you know the convention when you go okay. and just say, you know, Micah from Indiana said this. Um, yeah. If we could get the federal courts under control, I mean, the judicial branch has been so warped and it has grown to great power, power far beyond what the founders ever envisioned. Oh, absolutely. And I think that would be one of the keys to actually getting the federal governments, um, you know, you know, greedy little hands off of the states a little absolutely. bit. I think it's happening. I think a lot of times when we think um, kind of reining in federal overreach, I think we think of Congress. Right. Or maybe the executive, the president doing executive orders. But honestly, in my opinion, it's more in the judicial side.
1: I think. Well, I they're think, legislating. They th- are, Absolutely. They're, they're
2: not judging. They're not yeah. making judgments. They're
1: legislating. They were They were intended to be the weakest of the three branches. Yeah. That is correct. Yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I think that would be one I would love to see the wording kind of really do something to the effect of it's gonna, it's gonna be very hard for a federal judge somewhere to uh, override a um, a state let a state law. I mean, because that's what happens, right? States pass these laws, right, and then it always gets instantly sued in federal court, and then it stops the law from happening, and states can't do what they want to do and there there's you know there's a time and a place for that don't get me wrong but it, it it's so easy to do now i mean like any federal there's so many federal judges that would do the bidding of whoever comes knocking That's they could stop every law theoretically it'd be it's just it's way too easy
2: yes it I needs agree. to be
0: harder for the federal courts to be able to stop state law there has to be a higher ball a higher bar for them to meet before they can actually stop a state statute but if
2: they if we impose term limits on the supreme court as well um, you know, that could, in essence, affect what they're doing is, you know, sure, I mean, they yeah. they may not sit there for long terms and, you know, feel like they have more power than anybody else.
1: Is that a good thing?
2: I don't know. I, I, I go you know back what, and forth you sometimes you know, like, with that.
1: Uh, yeah, because I, I guess I thought that there was a reason why, you know, that that, that was it was you, for life.
0: You didn't want them to be swayed politically. So if they felt like they could be removed some way, shape, or form, they could be, you know, they could be swayed politically. To well, there's yeah.
1: some of those justices I am, you know, I, I I would love to see removed, but there's other ones. Man, am I glad that they cannot be removed. Yeah, like right. Clarence right. Thomas. Right. You know, He's my favorite. wish he could live forever. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> well, like, the same thing's you, true. He the needs vitamins. We need to give yeah. him every yeah. vitamin. <laughs> That weekend,
0: <laughs> well, that guy—it'd be like weekend at Bernie's. We'll just prop him up after he, after he dies, oh. and we'll still,
1: yeah, he'll still legislate. Oh, he doesn't say much in the meetings. so no. he doesn't ask questions very often. Now, you said something about the legislature. Well, the
2: same is true for Congress. That's true. I mean, there are yeah. some good people in Congress. Yeah, and but that's not the only thing we need to do. I mean, we try to put good people in there, but then when they get there. Something happens.
0: Yeah, there is. I, have, it I is. have
2: speculation on that, but maybe I shouldn't.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's, I'm sure there's a lot of things. I'm sure there's blackmail that plays into it. I'm sure oh, there's, yeah. lobbyists, I'm, I'm sure I the mean, lo- money and power, yeah. you know, George Washington said, few men have the virtue to withstand the highest bidder. And I think you see that you see good people going to Washington and legislate in the legislature. And they you're like, gosh, what happened to you? And I think that's that it's they're, they're there too long. And they, they're surrounded by some of the most wicked kind of, carrots you know it's it's that idea of like
1: luring people in and well it's exactly what the scripture talks about that that bribery uh blinds the eyes
3: and and
1: uh it's it's uh it's exactly the you know when you get in high positions of power well you better have a relationship with the lord yeah. Um, well,
2: and we don't have a lot of accountability for those people once they get in there. I mean, the senators used to be selected by the state legislatures until that amendment was passed. Yeah.
0: 17th mm-hmm. amendment. That's uh See? that was 1913 that happened. And that was pushed by the globalist uh, Wilson, Woodrow Wilson. You had, um, you know, you had the, like the Margaret Sangers who started Planned Parenthood. They were in this, they were in this category of globalism and uh, eugenics. Uh, uh, weeding out the lesser of the population particularly the black population Planned Parenthood was started to eradicate the black the black population. yeah the undesirables like even even Darwinism is based off of uh racism and it's uh totally this the, the subtitle of that most people don't realize we teach this in our schools but most people don't realize that it's uh, the origins of origin of species the subtitle is and the Uh, the preservation of the favored races in the struggle for life. And the favored races were the white race. It was how do we keep the whites, you know, reproducing. We we have
1: to destroy every statue, Yeah, but we can't take a look at the actual title of the book.
0: So, so 1913, the 17th amendment removes this idea of state legislatures uh, electing the senators. Now, this is interesting because, you know Cheryl, you bring this up. Most people would say, well, a popular vote is way better than having a state legislature pick who our U.S. senators are. But they don't understand what the founding fathers knew to be true of how the government should work. The People's right. House is the House of Representatives. Right. The people do get a vote in that the senators were meant to be the diplomats who were representing not the interests of the people, but the interests of the state. Yes, Which is very different. And people would say, well, I am I live in the state. Yes, you do live in the state, but the state legislature's interests sometimes are vastly different than that of the people's. And if the people don't like it, well, guess what they can do? They can vote out their state legisl- exactly. They le- can the say, legislators. Exactly. They
2: actually do get to vote. They yes. vote their state, state senators le- yes. in office.
0: And state, and state reps, who then would vote for the, yes. the, the U.S. Senate. And so we've got to get we've got to get back to that in my opinion i would love to see an amendment that would reinstate uh that would reinstate senators u.s senators being being picked by the state legislatures i think that's
2: probably going to have to be a whole different process i I know
1: i can have my wish list so sure you can i can too so of our 19 that we have uh for for this cause um how long are they binding like they said oh yeah we agree to this you know, maybe somebody said that in 2014. Somebody said that in 2015.
2: Right. How long does that stand? Well, as long as there's not a sunset clause included in the resolution when they go to vote on it in the state house, um, as long as it takes.
1: Okay.
0: So we. That's my understanding. Yeah. So those we don't we don't see them expire. Those resolutions won't expire. There
2: are a couple of states that did have. Um, sunset clauses and i believe one of those was overridden i want I okay. to remember which state but
0: i would imagine too that this nathan coming kind of to your question i think i know where you're going with this it's like it can't you know it can't probably last for 100 years you could probably get a legislature that is let i would assume that most of the states that have that have signed on to the convention of states are republican i would i would assume i i highly doubt is that many. true
2: well that's interesting that you would ask that um what are the what are the states that have said
1: yes? I, you said Indiana. Could you give me some other um, examples?
2: Yeah, I'll have to get my list out. Um, let me do that.
0: Yeah, yeah. And while you're doing that, I guess I guess where I was going with that is if you have a re, like Indiana, okay, a Republican legislature is probably going to be more sympathetic to a convention of states, Article Article Five convention. But let's just say. Ten years down the road, the legislature flips to being Democrat controlled. Yeah, can they? change I would that? assume that they would probably be able to change it. Yeah, I that, think that's they probably I'm could. Asking.
1: Yeah. How long does that say yes yeah. for? You I, know, as long as one party controls it, then I'm even thinking if you were to say red states versus blue states in in terms of their overall number, um, because because this is this is not based on population; it's based on one vote per state is that right yes so so then the you know then california doesn't have any more power than you know rhode island right um but but i just wonder you know even how many how many conservative held states are there how many red uh governorships do we control uh that are red versus blue well
2: that's a very good question i wish i could just Rattle that off the top of my head.
1: But. I'm sorry. Inquiring minds want to know.
2: <laughs> well, I think it's a good question. Um, I do know that there...
0: I can... Well, I can pull this up here real quick. I'm now, looking you at look
2: it. at the Convention of States website, yes, it's okay. got the map there, and it shows which states have passed. But I also have this map that shows the different states and the support that Convention of States actually has. Um, and one state that um, there was a, a vote, and they... they voted it down and but yet it shows the population is in favor of it so
0: so uh, he, so here here's what i got so far so green st- or um so you states that have passed it if you go to uh, okay. a convention of states resolution you have states like texas arizona utah nebraska missouri oklahoma arkansas mississippi tennessee indiana wisconsin
2: florida
0: uh, florida georgia um so it's looking like there's a lot of Republican controlled states there right but you have states um, that have passed in one chamber right so you have South Dakota um, Iowa New Mexico um, you have uh, Virginia uh, but then uh, then you've got blue um, active that's a or you've got active legislation you've got states that are actively, seeking this, and that's like Colorado, Kansas, Illinois, Michigan, Ohio, so kind of a little bit more purplish in the states there, so that would be, um, okay, so that's really interesting, and um, Georgia passed theirs back in 2014, Alaska, Florida were 2014, Um, those were some of the early ones, Uh, so... So yeah, this is uh, South Carolina was the most recent. That was March 29th of, t- of 2022. So that was just a few months ago. Right. So it's very it's really cool to see that this is a very uh, it's a it's a very uh, grassroots state run kind of initiative to get our federal government in check, and that is oh man it's just the brilliance of of our of our nation. We are not one nation we are we are sovereign states unified as a nation and that's right. and that's where people get this they you know if you talk about re- removing the electoral college right this right. idea of trying to say no well we should just be a populist vote of everyone in america well that's that totally removes this idea of sovereignty of states and the beauty of america is that we are multiple state governments unified to make one big government's kind of like transformers, you know, like when they would piece them together then you had this huge megatron kind of like transformer, right? That just but then uh i, I don't know if this is my mind kind of running off on rabbit trails, but then you guys yeah, do you remember uh you remember the cartoon uh Captain Planet? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that was such a liberal agenda now looking back on it, but but it was when your powers combine, I am Captain Planet and they wind and earth and fire and rain it's had witchcraft. to come together. <laughs> But they would come together and they would make this super the superhero of, of Captain Planet. I kind of feel like that's what the United States is, minus the witchcraft, Nathan. But oh, w- sorry, the man. states, the states come together. And I say, was too intelligent to watch that show. <laughs> Captain Planet, so, he's our hero. Oh my gonna god. Gonna take pollution the down to zero. Oh my
1: goodness.
0: <laughs> I never.
1: Never <laughs> watch that show.
0: Okay. Oh, sorry, oh Cheryl. God. We just yep. train wrecked that one. Sorry. That's best. Okay. So, yes. Yeah. Go go on. Yes. Yeah.
2: Well, I know it'd be easy for people to really believe that the populace or a popular vote would be the best thing for our country, but it, it really wouldn't be because only maybe three states would choose the, the president every time. Yeah. And while that sounds okay to the states that would be <laughs> the ones choosing, yeah, it's not okay with the rest of us.
0: That's right. Yeah. That was that and, and this is not a new debate. This is exactly what was going on between the Federalists and the Anti Federalists. They were very much saying, hey, well, the little states like Rhode Island, we don't want to ratify the Constitution because you, like you states like Virginia, are going to rule the roost and we won't have a say in anything. And there was, there were, for many years, there were, there was a, after we won the revolution, there was about a 13 year period where we had this pseudo Constitution called the, uh, um, the Confederation, uh, uh Articles of Confederation. Right. And, but the reason that was, it was so hard to get the Constitution ratified by all 13 colonies or states was because the smaller states were saying, we're not good. Well, you guys are going to totally Trump us. And so the founders, they put in a lot of uh, mechanisms to make sure that, hey, smaller states, you're going to have equal voice. You're going to have equal say. You're going to be, the, the people's house is where there's going to be represent, representation based on the population. Right. So the House of Representatives changes. It's fluid. And California has somewhere of like 55 House of Representative members, whereas Indiana has nine. You know what I mean? So there's that. But every state has two senators right. because that's equal. I, the, the Senate is... Is where we see that equality play out. the The electoral college allows the states to have an equal voice when it comes to electing the executive. And so this is, this is a it's a brilliant structure. And I love how the constant, the the convention of states, Cheryl, what you're representing and what you're doing. It is real life history playing out right before our eyes and i and i just think it's, it's and beautiful this website
1: is fantastic to try and give you more understanding of this go to convention of yes uh there is a there's a book there that's a pocket guide that you can download that's awesome and uh and, there's and, videos on there yeah.
2: there's a cos university yeah when we become leaders in cos we go through uh, a lot of training um because well, you don't know what you don't know.
1: That's right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: so when you get involved in something, it's it's good to have a basic understanding of what's going on because how can you explain it to anybody else if you don't know yourself? Yeah. So it's it's has a a number of resources on there that are awesome. I also recommend. Um, I have to put a plug in for uh, Rick Green because, oh yeah, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have found Convention of States. Really, I was watching a class on biblical, biblical citizenship. citizenship. Yes, yep. that's awesome. And we we Mark, do that here at
0: Life Church. Oh, I, yes, yeah. it's
2: great. Yeah. Um, and Mark Meckler came on. And this was a year ago, March, and I heard him speak, and I was like, "Convention of States? I've never heard of that." So of course, I'm you know looking on my computer right then, and I'm like, "Why have I not heard of this?" And so I immediately signed up as a volunteer, and I went, "Wait a minute! I had been praying that God would show me how to get involved and how to yeah. make a difference now."
3: Amen. And
2: while I mean, while we're still here, we need to tend the garden, right? Amen. Uh, right. So I was like. I've got to do more than just volunteer. I want to be a leader. I want to bring more people into this um, organization and educate them so that they will know this. I mean, there is something we can do. And if you're willing to do it, just get on that I website love and sign up and yeah, sign the ways petition. Ways
1: to donate, ways to, uh, to, to volunteer, what yes. you need to know. And then I think, obviously, by us learning more and more about this, when the you know, it sh- should this begin to really, really, really take shape with even more states signing on, then, you know, then the misinformation begins to happen. Right. And so we have to be prepared yes. for for how we would talk about that and discuss that and educate people. So, yes. so thank good. you for what you're doing and thank you for your heart just to, to love our nation, help us to be able to. You know we, we see kind of things melting down, right uh, but it's been Americans just like you all along that that have said, "I, I don't want that to happen on my watch, right. and what can I do to preserve us a nation?
2: Well, and yeah, exactly. what can we do? Um, there was somewhere I was going with that
0: <laughs> well, I think um, I, I think what you know God's using you someone uh, two years ago if you could go back and tell yourself, hey, this is what you're going to be doing in two years from now, you probably would have said, oh,
2: what? Absolutely no. No way.
0: There's, there's, no, there's way. no way. But how the Lord used biblical citizenship and a little bit of knowledge mm-hmm. to give you the confidence to step out a little further to the point where you stepped out even further, to the point now you're the regional director of uh, uh, the captain of Convention Estates. Of and I think that's that's an amazing testament to the Lord equips the called, He doesn't call the equipped. Right. Right. right? You just continue to take one step in front of the other. At Life Church, if you're listening to this, we offer biblical citizenship here. It's an amazing, amazing course. Uh, we've got a summer uh, small group starting up. If you'd like to get involved in that, just reach out to us and we'll get you involved. Turning Point USA, we partner with turning point usa faith and they they push biblical citizenship and they actually sponsor um our uh, curriculum here for people to take it at life church so um so there's there's very little cost to to people who want to take biblical citizenship because of charlie kirk and his heart to get churches and people like cheryl uh raised up you know leading leading the charge so this is this is amazing i love what you're doing keep it up and and you know we'll we'll just be praying that God uses this in a mighty mighty way to yes. return our nation back to Thank you so the biblical truth yeah
2: time is running out yeah. and we need to be faithful and we need to share what's going on um, there is a lot of misinformation out there and of course, a lot of people are saying that I'm spreading misinformation, um, but you know, when you keep looking at the same things and they keep happening over and over and over again, it, it eventually you can't deny that they're happening yeah, yeah. so
0: well, a lot of those people who who label you a disinformation misinformation person are, Twenty-year-old uh, tech, you know, nerds living out in S- Silicon Valley that have no clue what up and down is, what right and wrong is, what truth and, and lies are. They've just been given the the quote unquote title of you know fact checker, and they themselves probably couldn't check a fact if it walked in and slapped them with a you know wet blanket. So, well, I think we all need
2: to be concerned citizens and behave as such, um, educating ourselves, educating others. Um, but we also need to get involved in what's happening locally because what happens locally eventually bleeds out into um, the community, into yeah, the state, and then into good. the nation. Um, so we really have to be awake to see what's going on. And in order to do that, you have to be out there. That's right. Right gathering information
0: amen yeah. amen well thank you cheryl appreciate you coming in and uh and we hope you uh if you're listening you were blessed by this get involved uh either with convention estates or uh with biblical citizenship or locally in your in in your local government so and god god will bless that so amen yeah he will all right all right
2: thank you so much you're thank welcome you. yeah
0: yeah it's good to have you
1: stay tuned we'll be right back This is Nathan from Jesus, Sex, and Politics, and I'm talking to all of those of you who have a friend that you know is offended about everything. Listen, help them to come out of the bondage that they're in. Like us, share us, or subscribe Jesus, Sex, and Politics, because when you do, you might help free somebody from the terrible, terrible tyranny of the mind.
0: If you're in the Hamilton County, Noblesville area, be sure to check out Sunshine Service Incorporated. They service all makes and models of cars, and they are your friends, local community members who specialize in auto repair service. They believe the business of auto repair is that the service is the difference. Their auto technicians in Noblesville use state-of-the-art tools, equipment, and training to keep up with today's most complicated vehicle management systems, from brakes to batteries, filters to fluids, routine preventative maintenance to complex full vehicle repairs and service, they have you covered. Be sure to call George and his amazing team. I use them; they've been great on my car. I have nothing but good things to say about them, and you will too. We guarantee it. Oh, it's laughing now!
1: <laughs> it's shut up!
0: Oh on What Did Biden Say? This is quickly becoming one of my favorite segments. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is awesome. Uh, okay, so we have a we have a uh, great clip that I want to play for you, Nathan, and then you can tell me and decipher what our president said, maybe what he meant when he said this thing that he said. So here we go. What did Biden say?
3: They and they showed me a, 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 a x-ray he said a twenty-two caliber bullet will lodge in the lung, and we can probably get it out, maybe able to get it, and save the life. A nine millimeter bullet blows the lung out of the body. So the idea of these high caliber weapons is just, I mean, there's simply no rational basis for it in terms of what this, about self-protection, hunting, I mean, I just, and remember. The Constitution of the Second Amendment was never absolute. You couldn't buy a cannon when the Second Amendment was back. You couldn't go out and purchase a lot of weapons. And those who, not many are saying it anymore, but there was a while there where people were saying that, you know, the tree of liberty is water with the blood of patriots, and what we have to do is have to be able to take on the government when they're wrong. Well, to do that, you need an F-15. You know, you need a Abrams tank. I mean, so it's just. I think, Where do I, I get think, one of those? I, I think things have <laughs> gotten so bad that everybody's getting more
0: rational At least that's my. Hope. Oh my goodness! Okay, so there are many things. Oh my goodness! There are many things. Okay, let's 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 break them down here. So first thing he said, he said that a nine millimeter is a high caliber uh, round. So okay, now
1: Micah, are yes. you a hunter? Uh, no, I'm not. Okay. I am a hunter. Okay. Okay. So I, I'm going to speak to this because I have actually shot things and seen the effect of the bullet when I go and dig it out. Okay. Okay. When you shoot a deer, Mm -hmm. you, you, you go into the body, you gut it and you get to hold, you know, you're, you're pulling out all the organs. Yeah. So as you're doing it, you can see what that bullet did. Now I would never hunt a deer which are, are smaller in most cases than, you know, I, especially in Pennsylvania where I hunt, the deer are not gigantic. Yeah. They're not more, like Indiana deer are a lot bigger. Yeah. They're corn-fed. Um, but, but just so you know, I would never shoot a deer with a 9 millimeter because it would be inhumane to do it uh, because it doesn't do the job. When, when we're shooting deer, we're using, you know, I use a 30-30. Uh, you know, you might use a 35, might use a 30 six. You, you use, this, this is, this comes from a man who knows nothing. About guns.
0: Well, he did call AR-15s AR-14s. Oh, of course, because, well, you know, <laughs> those
1: mean, uh, evil-looking <laughs> ar 14 Assault-style rifles. Uh, which uh, AR does not even mean assault, assault rifle. rifle. It means Armalite rifle. Okay? Yeah. So so you're talking about people who know nothing about weapons trying to tell you, you know, and, 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 to, and, to, and, and to say that a 22 cannot kill you uh, that it's not true. Ronald Reagan was nearly killed with a 22 bullet. Yeah. You know, you can shoot a cow in the head with a 22 and drop it. Yeah. You know? So, so this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. And a a nine millimeter does not blow a lung out of, (laughs) it is a small caliber. I carry a, 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 uh, a 380, a 380 is called a, a small nine. Okay, they just go slightly up from there, and it, it is more powerful. A, a nine millimeter is more powerful than a 380 just by a little bit. But but the idea that that this blows the lung, I'm I'm telling you, I've shot animals. I've never blown a lung out of an animal <laughs> with 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 a high powered rifle. Not even your cat. I have never <laughs> shot a cat. With a (laughs) high-powered rifle. I didn't didn't say I've never (laughs) shot a... By the way, I'm not telling you whether I have or not. But I'm just saying... Plead the fifth. I'm just saying it. it is, the guy doesn't know what he's talking
0: about. Okay, so then he goes on and he says, "You know, there's that whole thing about the tree of liberty that he 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 begins to quote Thomas Jefferson, uh, where Thomas Jefferson said the tree of liberty from time to time must be sustained by the blood of patriots and tyrants and tyrants. Yeah. And notice he did not. Say tyrants. He said that whole quote about the blood of the tree of liberty must be watered by the blood of patriots. Uh, well, people don't say that much anymore. <laughs> he said he he left out tyrants. I found I I mean I don't know if he did that intentionally. I don't know well, if he, he does. could
1: have just forgotten where he was. Yeah, that's a good point. You but
0: know. but he he leaves it out, and I think that's that's kind of telling because it does it does mention it's like. Course, you don't want the people to be well armed there, President Biden, because you don't want to have to worry about a, a well regulated militia. And regulated doesn't mean regulated by the government, it means maintained. A well maintained militia to be able to come at the federal government if the federal government begins to do things that are tyrannical. And he makes this he makes this point. He's like, the the Second Amendment didn't allow people to own cannons. Yes, it did. Yes, it actually did. Yes, it did.
1: It did. People <laughs> bought cannons because they had had Shipping, folks, and they had shipping, and pirates were a big deal. Yeah, that was a, that that happened. And so, what did you do? You had to go and get weapons that could fight, and you were allowed to do that. He is lying, it's not true. Yep. You could do that. And the Second Amendment, uh, you know, he he likens it and he says, Well, if you were actually going to stand up against the government, you need F 16s and, and, and Abrams tanks, okay, or F 15s <laughs> and Abrams tanks. Well, I'm good the, with that. The, the reality. <laughs> (laughs) is is that uh go back to world war ii what did uh what did the admiral of japan say was the reason why he would never invade the 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 mainland the mainland of the united states after
0: taking pearl harbor yeah because they because he was asked later he said why didn't you just continue up the up the coast of the united states and take the mainland Because
1: there's a gun behind every blade of grass he said yeah right so if imperial japan knew how dangerous a citizenry that was armed and knew how to defend itself. Yeah. You're talking you're talking guerrilla war. Mm-hmm. Guerrilla war is not easy to win. No. We've seen that in Afghanistan when yeah. Russia got their butts kicked and then thanks to Biden we did too. Yeah. So 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 the reality is we were we were winning that whole thing and but you see how hard it is for us, and I don't mean to say that we got our butts kicked in Afghanistan. The reality is, we didn't have the political will, it wasn't the men and yeah, it women, wasn't the it, men. Wasn't, our it wasn't our soldiers, it was it, the
0: politicians it, who wouldn't go in to actually win the thing
1: or leaving the appropriate yeah. amount of soldiers there like Trump did yeah. in order to keep the peace. But he's he's so off, he, he doesn't understand remotely why you want these guns to exist because if you had to go up against a tyrannical government and and by the way uh, how many people have died from communism over the last 100 mm. years how many millions yeah over close to 100 million 100 million people have died because of communism and marxism that's a whole lot more people dead than you would get from a school shooting mm-hmm. so you yes you're going to have problems if you hold on to some guns but but in the end, you maintain liberty. Amen. Well, that does it for what did Biden say today An incoherent and incoherent
0: nothingness <laughs> well.
1: It- yeah. I think
0: we should always remember that the Second Amendment is worth protecting because it is the amendment that protects us from tyrannical government. So don't let any politician convince you that there are
1: so-called common sense gun reform laws out there. Oh, you just there. be rational. <laughs> Hey, this is Nathan from Jesus, Sex, and Politics, and I'm talking to all of our younger Gen Zier listeners. Listen, you are extraordinary because you are actually paying attention and enjoying the fact that we are being very fun in our offense. So share and subscribe and get the word out about Jesus, Sex, and Politics because your friends, as as the good old. Maharashi, Rush Limbaugh would say their mind's full of mush. But you don't have to stay that way. We will help craft it into a brilliant, brilliant mind that is congruent with God's word.
0: Welcome back to the Jesus Sex and Politics Podcast. We have an amazing guest in the studio, well, not technically in the studio, calling into the studio today. Um, and this is a candidate for Indiana State Treasurer, Elise Nuschella. Elise, thank you so much for joining us here on Jesus Sex and Politics. How are you doing?
4: I'm doing great. How are you, Micah?
0: Good, good. So, Elise, you're running for treasurer in Indiana. Can you just kind of tell us a little bit about what the Treasurer does um, and, you know, kind of your heart behind why you're running?
4: Yes, so the Treasurer serves as Indiana's Chief Investment Officer and on a daily basis oversees the management of about $9 billion worth of the state's financial assets. And um, I was asked to run for this office about a year ago, and it was brought to my attention, and, and this is absolutely true that there are many programs run out of the state treasurer's office that intersect with county government on a daily basis. And I have the privilege of serving as the president of the Boone County Council and the vice president of the Indiana County Council's Association. So, you know, these programs from statewide 911 to the Indiana Bond Bank and Invest Indiana are all tools that are very uh, useful and impactful at the local government level. And uh, so it seems to be a good continuance of Public service to try to keep more local taxpayers in local pockets um, by helping that these programs service even better.
0: Oh, that's great! Well, and you would, uh, you know, you're a good conservative, and you've got a great uh, conservative upbringing with your parents uh, being John and Cindy Noe. They, they, which who they happen to go to life church. church. They go to our church,
2: which is yeah. amazing.
0: <laughs> we, we love them. Great, great people. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, but the treasurer's race, um, Elise, I want to hit on this a little bit for a second. It tends to stay out of this minutiae of divisive politics because most people are like, well, it's just, it's just money and, and yeah, okay, we want to be fiscally wise, but you're not really setting necessarily budget policy for the state. That's the legislature that does that. But Mm -hmm. in this season of wokeism, taking over corporate America and taking over, like you have uh, Davos, the World uh, Economic Forum, you have ESGs, uh, environmental social governance policies that businesses are now starting to invoke upon the people who use their products. How do you as a conservative, freedom-loving patriot see your role in the Indiana tre- as the Indiana Treasurer to beat back some of those nonsensical leftist policies that are going to come not only from government entities but also from the private sector? How are you going to stand up against this woke onslaught here in Indiana?
4: Absolutely. The state treasurer is in a key position to push back on the federal overreach. And I'll give you Two prime examples. If you remember back in the fall, when President Biden and Janet Yellen, who's the Secretary of the United States Department of the Treasury, proposed that even minor banking transactions be reported to the IRS. No way. That is one of, if not the largest encroachment on our personal banking privacy in the history of our nation, and not on my watch. Um, In addition, the United States Department of Labor is proposing, and so is President Biden, that by default, these woke ESG funds that you mentioned, so E stands for environment, pushing the Green New Deal agenda, S stands for social, push, pushing social justice and the critical race theory, and G for governance. They're proposing that by default, pension funds be invested And those funds, and those funds come with higher fees, which can translate into tens of thousands of dollars of less in retirement savings over the course of a couple decades. And these funds are prioritizing their left-wing agenda over return on investment, and it goes directly against the core responsibility of the state treasurer, and that is to stand for fiduciary duty to make sure that the hard-earned dollars of our state police, of our teachers, and our public employees, because the state treasurer serves as the sole trustee of the Indiana State Police Pension Trust and also serves on the board of the Indiana Public Retirement System. So to make sure that their hard-earned dollars have the best opportunity to receive the best rate of return to fund their retirement.
0: That's good. Uh, I mean, I think that's going to be something that you as a potential treasurer if if lord willing that that becomes the uh the the seat that you hold you're really going to have to be a bulwark or a wall of protection um and i think a lot of a lot of treasurers yes. and you know people in offices like that they don't typically see themselves as the culture warrior but you really you are going to be a culture warrior i mean it's going to be a, it's going to be a battle and, and uh y- you would you would say you're ready for that battle yes and just as
4: you have our Attorney General Todd Repita linked arm-in-arm with other attorneys general to push back on the federal government where there are serious encroachments on our freedoms. The state treasurer has those same opportunities. In fact, our current state treasurer, Kelly Mitchell, linked arm-in-arm with about 25 other state financial officers and issued a letter to President Biden and Janet Yellen, and they delineated all of the negative ramifications that would occur If that proposal they were making, that minor banking transactions, you know, down to $600 be reported to the IRS, this letter was very impactful. And it was a significant, significant effort that made them retreat from that proposal. And so there is a network of conservative-minded state financial officers that if I'm so fortunate to serve as Indiana's next state treasurer, I will be linking arm and arm with them to make sure that we have an effective and strong pushback on the egregious encroachment on our economic freedom coming from the federal government.
0: If... if if we're going to play this out here, just the hypothetical, and I know in politics, sometimes for a candidate to do the hypotheticals, it's never always a, it's never a great thing, but if you just bear with me here for a second, I kind of, I think asking this question is important because we could really get to a place where we see the federal government, um, do things like what you brought up, the $600, they were going to investigate everything up to, uh, Up to you know they wanted to look in the every bank transaction um, as as low as six hundred dollars worth. And
1: every homeless person in America gets at least that much.
0: I know, right? Yeah, so that's everyone. They want to be able to look into everybody's bank account. So hypothetically speaking, let's just say the federal leftist you know government does do that somewhere down the road. Okay, so we we're probably going to continue to have to fight these battles. You as the treasurer of Indiana, there's no other treasurers that are gonna link arms with you. All, the, all of America except for Indiana has gone off the leftist woke cliff, right? But here you are as the treasurer in Indiana. Would you have the courage to stand up and say, you know, everyone else be damned? I, I don't care if I'm the only one left. I'm going to I'm going to tell the federal government to go pound sand on this issue. I'm protecting Hoosiers. Or because sometimes we get into this place. Yeah. where You okay? Good. Just so you <laughs> give you. Yeah, give I would
4: your, march right. I would march right down to Attorney General Toprakita's office and say, "We've got to sue the federal government. I need your help."
0: That's good. That's good. Well, that's what I. You know, I, I know that sometimes it's. You know, other state leaders look for the other other states to lead first, and so I wanted. You know, I, I want our state leaders in Indiana to be the ones that would say, "No, we're going to do what's right, even if we're the, if we're the only ones that are." that are there doing There's so
1: many times that I I want to be a part of Florida. (laughs) I know, Because I just look at Florida as, man, these people are, they are awesome down there. And I think Mm -hmm. to myself, we're, I mean, Indiana's one of the freest states there is. I mean, as far as like having their head screwed on straight, we're supposed to be one of those states. What do we need to do to look more like Florida?
4: Yeah. Well, one thing we can do to look more like Florida, uh, they just passed a law promoting financial literacy among their emerging adults. And as this, yes, you know, the state treasurer is in a key position as the chief investment officer to make sure that our emerging adults in particular understand the empowerment of budgeting, saving and investing. And what is compounding interest? How can it work magic for you or be completely debilitating to your personal finances? And where are the pitfalls to watch out for? What's a credit score? How do you get one? Why is it important? You know, these are the tools of knowledge that our you know, emerging adults need to be financially independent and contributory citizens. And when you are financially literate, that's when the light goes off and you understand the gift of freedom, the gift of free markets, and why socialism never
2: works.
1: Yeah, Elise, here in in the church world um one of our major uh, one of our major values is to get our people through financial peace university through Dave Ramsey. Um mm-hmm. and and we're trying to make sure that our our folks can live like no one else. We're totally counter cultural. Um and and you know, I was a youth pastor, we taught we taught his curriculum to our teenagers. Um, mm-hmm. but we're trying to get when when we uh, take couples through premarital counseling. That's part of what we want in every single new mm-hmm. marriage is to make sure that they go through financial peace university. It, it's it's so important, but I don't see that really happening at the schools. And most cases when I'm talking to young people who are considering getting married, which by the way, I want to know how we can incentivize marriage. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, it seems to me that we penalize marriage in, mm-hmm. uh, uh, there was once upon a time where I was on Hooter Healthwise uh, when, when I was young and married and they weren't going to give it to us because, um, be, because I had actually married my wife. And if it was a single family, like if I had left my wife, or I was divorced from my wife, or she had gotten pregnant out of wedlock, then she could she could have all manner of uh, of of monies available for our pregnancy. Um,
3: mm-hmm.
1: And even though I, we just barely were close to that number, it's it's like what do we do to incentivize good living, and yeah. and and how can we do that? legislatively, how can we make our young people realize that, you know, you haven't, you, you you having a baby out of wedlock is the number one thing you're going to do that's going to put you in poverty. And, and where, where does the state treasurer's office really get into trying to influence that?
4: Well, you bring up a great point. I mean, you're getting at the root of our issues, right? And, um, you know, there are indexes of poverty, excuse me, of prosperity, that that show that communities where there are high marriage rates, you know, intact families, that that absolutely translates into more prosperity. And so, there is a message to share there because, um, you know, that's a well-being issue, that's an economic stability issue, and 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 yeah, I think that's that's a component to financial literacy. Is you know, what are the practices that that supports being financially stable and independent in life. And certainly uh, those practices of, of what was that Brookings Institute report from years ago? Um, oh, what opportunity creating, creating societies of opportunity, something like that. And it talks about the three, the three things that you need to do to have opportunity societies. One graduate from high school and pursue some kind of post-secondary education. Three, wait until marriage to have children. And excuse me, that was number two. I better get my numbers right. As She
0: skipped so to number you know. three. What was number two? I'm oh excited. boy. She's going to be state treasurer. <laughs> Uh-oh. Uh- oh my
4: goodness. Okay. <laughs> no, so sorry. one, two, we got those. Number three. Um, maintain employment, full-time employment, and and if you do all three of those things, you're like 99 percent guaranteed to avoid poverty. Mm. It's and that's a powerful lesson yeah. Yeah. to broadcast far and wide.
1: And our kids, you know, I got I got uh, two college-age kids, but the amount of credit card stuff that comes through the mail targeting my yeah. kid, um, yeah. I you know Dave Ramsey goes into the interest rates on that. Right. I, I just, I think we got to get super good curriculum into the hands of our young people. And you do not see that. I mean, I've been in youth ministry a long time. You just do not see that level of, of education that's coming out. And then when you tie that to them, going to the super expensive schools that, yeah. that are going to put them with such a major financial, uh, student loan payment each and every month you know Mm -hmm. and and what is it that uh we heard charlie kirk talk about um lesbian archery being what you got oh yeah yeah. or something like that (laughs) um you know what's going to actually pay in the end you know i there's just so much of that that i i see we're just not preparing young people and i don't know that i think that I, i i love what our church does i'm sure other churches are doing uh their level best, but I don't know that it's enough. How are we going to get that being taught, uh, to all of our young people?
4: Yes. So that is the pertinent discussion that we need to have. And, and I will certainly be a conversation starter and strong proponent that we go big in the state of Indiana with financial literacy. And, and I hear that discussion is starting to happen. Um, you know, that's going to be, um, legislative discussion as well. Do we do what Florida did? So now they require one semester of personal finance as a prerequisite for graduating from high school. Yes,
1: so that's well, one way. That's that's good. And yeah. then of course the other thing that Florida did was they, they talked about that they're gonna have one day to talk about Marxism com- communism yeah. and Marxism and 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 to show, you know, you got all the Cubans down there who have lived through this. Yeah. But they're gonna yeah. they're gonna push that in the schools so that we can I mean one day in, in, in comparison to the hundred and eighty or seventy nine days of other indoctrination. Uh, I don't know if it's if it's enough. Yeah, right. But right. we'll take anything. Yeah. Yeah. I don't see why Indiana doesn't do something like that.
4: Yes, we actually have a piece that's going to be coming out here soon to a delegate near you, addressing this exact topic as far as exposing socialist failures and promoting free markets. Because you know, our schools are failing to teach the genius of our country's founding principles, and and too many are getting indoctrinated as students in socialistic thinking. And as a result, young Americans are falling for these false promises of socialism Mm. and ever learning the grim reality of this failed system. And so we do, we've got to promote big time, personal financial literacy. So young Hoosiers go to appreciate the amazing opportunity of freedom and free markets in our country. And, and, Then come to understand why socialism never works.
1: Well, and you know, just in a final thought here, uh, from my perspective, it's hard to try and drive home to young people how they need to live fiscally responsible when nothing of the budget in Washington operates on those principles. They can totally. You know they they don't have kitchen table uh, budgets and and kitchen table conversations. they They live drunk on spending with money they don't have. So we're driving two different thoughts home to our young people, which are totally inconsistent and yeah. and I, I, mm-hmm. I wanna I want see us battle that in whatever case that Indiana can have a, a measure of being able to go, that's ridiculous and it doesn't work. And we we refuse to look remotely anything like Washington. Well,
0: yeah. And you know, I was, saw something uh, just uh, on the news earlier that one out of three people in America who make over two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year are living paycheck to paycheck. So think about that: two hundred, you're making two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year every one out of three people doing that are living paycheck to paycheck which tells me that just the idea of fiscal management everywhere in America from the government down to the typical household we just don't we 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 be, we have become the borrower and mm-hmm. and it is it's killing us i mean we're 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 all we're all drunk on debt essentially I, I would say Nathan and, and the borrower is yeah.
1: servant to the lender. That's yep. what the Bible says. Yep. Yeah, And it means, yep. and, it, and it doesn't mean just the employee. It means the slave slave. yeah. And and we live in financial slavery and, yeah. and nobody wants to call it that because everybody lives in slavery. And, 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 there's a, there's a freedom that's available for us if we will live like no one else.
0: Yeah. Yep. Well, well Elise, we got, we got, you know, we really appreciate your time and I want to be, uh, I know you got a lot of calls to make when it comes to calling delegates. Um, if you didn't know, so Elise will be at the state convention, June 18th. If you're a delegate in Indiana, she will be one of the candidates that you can pull the lever for, um, and, and vote for her in a convention. So really briefly, Elise, give us the overview of how a convention race works and then why you you really believe that you're the best person for the job, and you've kind of already said that a little bit, but just give it give our listeners a lot of people don't know what a convention is, they don't know what delegates do that, and you've sure. explained you've, you've explained very well what a treasurer does, but but kind of tell us a little bit on the convention side and and where you're going to go from here.
4: Certainly. So there are delegates that were on the ballot in May. Many of you voted for delegates. In some cases, they were not on the ballot because they. Uh, it wasn't a competitive race. The number of spots that the county had were the number of spots that were filled and you no know, more than that. Um, so those that signed up or that were elected, um, they will be going to the state fairgrounds on June 18th. There are just under 1,800 of them from all 92 counties, and they will be making the selection on who will represent us as the Republican nominees for the Office of... State treasurer, state secretary, and state auditor, and then those Republican nominees will go on to uh, win in the general election over uh, the Democrat nominees.
0: And that's in so no- the- that's in November. So people, yes. if you win at the convention, then people listening to this who aren't delegates will still have an opportunity to vote for you in uh, in November on the general.
4: That is correct. Good. Yes, yep. those offices will be on the ballot for the general election.
0: So this is our prime. Yes. This is our primary for these offices, and I think at Life Church between Marion County, Hamilton County, and Madison County, we have close to twenty-five delegates. Um, that's that, awesome.
1: You're talking to two of them right yeah, now. Yeah, that's
0: right. Yeah. So <laughs> we,
4: <laughs> that so. is fantastic engagement <laughs> from the church. I have to say.
0: Yeah, we love it. We love it.
4: Yes. Yep. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, so, you mentioned um, why. Yes. Um, all right. Well, here you go, Nathan and Micah, and to the delegates who are listening. It would be an honor to serve, and I ask for your votes. I will stand for our economic freedom against the encroachments from the federal government, and then also stand for our economic freedom on the very most personal level in promoting financial literacy. Uh, in addition, I believe it's time to rebrand College Choice 529 because those funds uh, can also be used for trade or technical school. And I'd also like to bring a program to Indiana uh, to, again, incentivize Hoosier savings for the purchase of tools and equipment for those entering the trades. Serving as the president of the Boone County Council and the vice president of the Indiana County Council's Association, I also serve on the board of the Association of Indiana Counties. I'm rooted deep in local government. And we'll take the you know, experience of stretching those tax dollars as far as we possibly can to meet the needs here in Boone County. And, and in doing so, we've been able to maintain one of the lowest, if not the lowest, property tax rates amongst all 92 counties in the, in the state. While we've been experiencing a boom in population growth, our population grew by 25%. So it's been a challenge that's required innovative thinking and certainly conservative fiscal management. Uh, Also, my husband and I are investors in real estate, have been doing that for 20 years. So, I oversee everything from the acquisitions to the financing to the business management and then have served in economic development for the state of Indiana and was fortunate when Mitch Daniels came along um, to serve on his economic development policy team when he was a candidate to re-envision how economic development operated in this state. And through his efforts... um, you know, we are in a very strong position, economically speaking. We are a beacon to the nation with economic strength. And there is a better way, and Indiana is in a position to shine that light even brighter in contrast to the failed economic energy and foreign policies coming from President Biden and uh, and his administration and, and Congress that's in Democratic hands, which were all Hoping and praying and working right toward a tsunami in 2022.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think that's, that'll be an understatement. <laughs> well, that's
1: what we hope. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. we hope. Elise, can I ask you one last question? And And maybe Certainly. not every delegate would ask it this way, but, but I just have to be me. Are you more yes. loyal to the Republican party or are you more loyal to conservatism? To
4: conservatism. To, you know, our country was founded upon the principles of the Bible, and that's that's who I am. First,
1: yeah,
0: that's good. good. That's, well, good. that's the answer I wanted to hear. Hey, I uh, again, I appreciate you coming on, and and thank yeah, you, thank you, so thank much. you for uh, run- thank you for running. I mean, I just know it's a very, very much a uh, it's a tough thing to run for office, and and you make a lot of friends, but you also make a lot of enemies, and it's it's not for the faint of heart and but we need good people to do it. So, um, Amen. yeah, thank you for what you're doing and, and for what your family is, uh, you know, doing as well. Cause it's obviously a family effort when one person runs. So, um,
4: Thanks. Well, thank you so much for this opportunity. And, um, you know, we are a beacon and it's time that we lead, lead, lead because the, the way that's being proposed, uh, right now in our media and in, um, many universities and and certainly from our federal government is not the way to go so let's rise up as a state and and show the way more and more in the days and weeks and years and decades to come Mm,
0: that's good excellent all right elise well hey it was good having you and uh we'll be watching how the convention plays out and if you're down at the convention make sure to stop by uh, Elise's hospitality suite or catch your walk in the convention floor and and uh and shake her hand, and and uh, she she'd be more than happy to talk to you, I'm sure. So,
4: thank you so much. Yes, look forward to seeing you all down there. Come oh. join us at our hospitality suite as well on Friday night. It's going to be
0: big. Your dad big, was your dad was telling me a little. He didn't give me, he didn't give away all the secrets, but he said the same thing <laughs> you said. He said it's going to be really big, and it's going to be you don't want to miss it. I said, can you tell me? Yep. Can you tell me what it's going to be? And he said, I could, but then I'd have to kill you. So. <laughs> <laughs>
1: same top gun well 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 <laughs> good old dad <laughs> uh, that's
0: funny so alright well hey we, we appreciate you Elise thanks for, thanks so much for being on the show and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again soon
4: thanks Micah thanks
0: Nathan you bet alright we'll talk to you later that's good alright well you know this has been Jesus Sex and Politics as always we're so glad you listened now go share it with all your friends specifically your liberal friends and tell them to come on over to the side of freedom The side of light, the side of right. Come back! (laughs) This has been Jesus, Sex and Politics. I'm Micah. And I'm Nathan. And we talk about all those things that are going to probably scare you. Did I just take your line?
1: You did. Uh, uh, um, But the world won't want to talk about them. (laughs) So we will. We'll see you next time.